0: Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire.
1: This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even
2: the crowd knows what's coming next.
1: It's the Wesson Walker Show. We are live from the Spectrum Center. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're here for the 14th annual Hornets Cornucopia event. WFNZ, they've been coming out for a while now. Happy to be a part of this. Happy to be with West, where both of us are a part of this, because of how spectacular this event is. They've partnered with Food Lion once again, Coca-Cola to provide a thousand Thanksgiving meals. A thousand Thanksgiving meals to families in need. Each meal is enough to feed about four people. Four thousand people can benefit from the event. The event starts at 1:30. We'll be out here until 3 p.m. The staff, the whole team is here. They're going to be helping handing out some of the food as well so the whole team getting involved as well wfnz been coming out for a while but also the hornets helping us with our street turkeys event a part of wfnz that's going to be happening on wednesday and we are going to be live from the jack daniels doghouse so lots of great things going on this week and i'm really happy to be a part of it first year at wfnz same here for you wes for us to be a part of this right before things start to get going being out at a bunch of different sites this week it's going to be very busy before thanksgiving day even after thanksgiving day but still this week it's 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 really special for me to be a part of this because of how big the event has been not only with the hornet's cornucopia event but also street turkeys so this week is going to be very very cool to be a part of
2: yeah and a big week when a lot of people have a lot of abundance whether you talk about food love whatever the case may be it's going to be great for us to be able to give back to those that are that are less fortunate man this is a great time of year also a sad time of year for uh, a lot of people going through different things that they have going on and they might not be able to afford or have a lot of the things that we sometimes take for granted, man. So it's going to be an excellent week of giving. It's
1: going to be awesome to be a part of all of this, like I said. So WFNZ, Sports Radio, 92.7 FM, tune in wherever you can get us on the show here at West and Walker, WFNZ app as well, and you can text it and share your thoughts at 704-570-9610. It's time to talk about the Carolina Panthers, yet another loss. South Carolina. We do have some good things to talk about with the Gamecocks getting a win against Tennessee, but the other Carolina, North Carolina. I guess Carolina. they heard me talking about them. Ooh, yeah, the they did. <laughs> they did. We, did. we did. We did get a text already from an 803 number saying, Wes, what did you say about oh the Carolina?" Oh my God. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 One Save win. it. Save it. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let, yeah. It right. let it fuel. Let you. it fuel you. Yes, yes, that's that's correct because we're still on the bus, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, still, yeah. we still got yeah. everything. Yeah. I got well. my headphones going. That's and all right. That. That's yeah. right. We're about to get off right now. It's time for getting off the bus let's go
2: we look good
3: getting
1: off the bus tough to have mac brown be the one that says we look good getting off the bus <laughs> after that <laughs> loss to north carolina but we will start with the carolina panthers who also lost this weekend 13 to 3 against the baltimore ravens Wes, this was a painfully boring game for a long time The most exciting play came from, nonetheless, Bravion Roy, all 330 pounds of him, having an interception earlier on in this contest where he's rumbling and stumbling, trying to pick up as many yards as he possibly can after what was an awesome interception. It was not one of those that gets batted up high into the air where it just kind of falls in his hands. He snatched that thing out of midair, and it was a fast pass. But at the end, Baltimore would be able to separate themselves after the first turnover for Carolina, and they had a lot. At the end of this game, Baltimore was able to have the big run from Kenyon Drake. That set up a touchdown. That was all Baltimore would need from there on out. If you look at the Panthers' struggles, Baker Mayfield was one of the big-time strugglers in this game. Just not being able to throw the football downfield is something we've seen a lot from him. Are we done seeing Baker start any game for the Carolina Panthers as we move on?
2: Listen, y'all finish or y'all done? That's (laughs) what they needed to ask Baker Mayfield when he walked out the field. You finish or you done? Listen, it's time for him to be done. I I posed a question to you uh, saying that is he even a backup in this league at this point because when he comes in nothing good happens okay there's no positivity the offense didn't move at all he comes in and there's nothing but a disaster every time he steps on the football field we saw the big bugaboo with him which couldn't couldn't have been a more fitting interception when he throws the batted ball that then gets intercepted as well so at this point like i said it's time to move on i told people when we were talking about was this the biggest start of his career we weren't going to see any great we weren't going to see anything even good okay so we're done Baker let's move on turn the page
1: here's Steve Wilkes talking about the offensive struggles they experienced in this game against Baltimore
3: well again credit to them I thought they did a great job up front we knew coming into the game that they're gonna uh, I mean have a great front seven offensively you know our whole thing is starts up front and we didn't do a great job really creating that extra yardage that we
2: needed for us coming off the ball so again credit to them
1: They had a nice run with Deontay Foreman really very early on and that was it. That was all we would see from the run game. But this is an identity that Steve Wilks has tried to embody as soon as he took over as the head coach. And the run game just wasn't there. If you look at the stats, Deontay Foreman wasn't able to get going, 11 carries, 24 yards, and had that 10 yard run very early on. Baker Mayfield had a couple of carries, one with the eight yard scamper that he had. Chuba had four carries, didn't pick up any yards whatsoever. The longest carry he had went for only two. And if you don't have a run game with Baker Mayfield as your starting quarterback, then you have no offense. And they scored three points. They avoided a shutout. The streak lives on where Carolina has not been shut out in a long time. But that was it. They would have the field goal, and nothing else would come their way. I'm, I totally agree with you. And I've never been one that wanted to see Baker Mayfield back as the starter. Yeah. I got the decision coming into this game against Baltimore because of Sam Darnold's injury, coming back, trying to get used to the offense with Ben McAdoo because Sam Darnold has still yet to play a regular season game. Where Ben McAdoo was the O.C., I understood why you didn't want to throw him out there quite yet. You can't throw P.J. Walker out there. You don't have Matt Corral. Jacob Beeson just signed with San Francisco. Baker was literally the only option you could go with. Cool. That's not going to be the case next week. Sam Darnold a little more healthy a week later. Now it's time to go to Sam Darnold if P.J. Walker isn't healthy, or go back to P.J., and if he struggles, kind of like he did against Cincinnati, go to Sam. But there's no reason if you want to win football games, I know Steve Wilkes does, I know the players do, don't know about upper management at this point now that they have the second overall pick with the Raiders loss. But we do know the parties that want to win football games. Those parties need to not have Baker Mayfield start
2: anymore. (laughs) Yeah, man, as I said, I think it's going to (laughs) be musical chairs for the rest of the season. I don't see a lot of great coming from any of these guys that's why we've been talking a lot of quarterbacks uh these days on this station and who can be drafted to help remedy these issues because as i said i don't think from sam Darnold you're going to see much different than what we saw from baker mayfield sunday and sorry pj walker as well i don't think we're going to see a lot of great coming from him so it's just going to be get through the season whoever's healthy and is playing decent ball, if you if you even want to say that, that's going to be who you go with from here on out if you want to try to at least win football games, or at this point, just be competitive.
1: I, I do have some stats later on to kind of dig into, to figure out who would be the best option at quarterback later on in the show, and Stanford P wrote in, 704-570-9610. Baker Mayfield got intercepted by a dude missing fingers. <laughs> yes, Jason, <laughs> Jason Pierre-Paul. Yeah. It's immediately what I thought of when he had the interception, the fireworks, and incident in 2015. Oh, yeah. How
2: do you not think of anything I, else I, with him?
1: It's immediately what I think yeah. of. It's either the backflips early on in his career with yeah. the Giants, mm-hmm. and it is the fireworks incident that yeah. left him without fingers, and that guy intercepted Baker Mayfield because, as you mentioned, a pass got batted into the air. We've seen it so many times with Baker. Unfortunately, you couldn't get any good news from the Charlotte Hornets either because they lost another tough game against the Washington Wizards. 106-102 to 102 was the final score. You've got to go back to Friday as well because... Because that one was a crazy game they lost to cleveland mm-hmm. in double overtime 133 to 122 but that was closer than the 10 point difference actually indicated going to double overtime they came back from 10 down yes. in the final 50 seconds of this game pj washington monster three same with kelly Oubre. eventually terry rozier hits the game tying three hits a go-ahead three in ot But Darius Garland is a bad man. That guy is absolutely filthy. And the Cavs just have talent all across the board. Jared Allen comes in, destroys down low. Donovan Mitchell pours in 34 on top of the 40 that Garland gave you. And Evan Mobley is just sitting there doing all the little things at an all-NBA level. ISO defense against Terry, doesn't matter. Going to contest the final shot that he had in that final overtime period by design, putting a center on Terry and then immediately locking him up. The Cavs just have so much talent. Maybe against Washington, you're looking at Charlotte, able to take care of some type of advantage they have, but this team just can't shoot right now. Yeah. Bad bad things continue to get worse for the Charlotte Hornets, despite you having some close games. They just can't find a way to pull it out in the end.
2: We've talked week after week about how inefficient this offense has been, whether LaMelo's been in the lineup or not. But at least with LaMelo, you get a little bit more efficiency. It comes down to, as we said, there's a star system in this league, and there's what they call difference makers, and we talk about that a lot. And the Hornets just don't have any when it comes down the stretch, and that's what you saw last night in that basketball game. If you focus your attention on... Terry rozier There's just not enough guys. When we saw last season, this this team when they were at their best. This is a team they only had 19 assists last night yeah, to 13 not kernels, gonna cut it. But this was a team last year that was 25 assists or better on most nights. And a lot of their best players play their most efficient games off of the assists. Well, the assist man is not there. They don't move the basketball around the court to get good shots enough, and they don't have the guy to where you can say even Washington had a Kyle Kuzma or a Bradley Beal where you can say, okay, if all else fails, put the ball in his hands, go get us a bucket, and they're gonna do it. We don't have that.
1: Clutch Terry showed up against Cleveland, but it still has been more not for Terry here right. lately, and that's unfortunate because they desperately need him. An angry Steve Clifford talked after the game and said they need to play a lot tougher. Steve Clifford talking about that afterwards, trying to see if we can get that sound bite, but Steve Clifford discussed how playing tough tougher is the only thing that they really need to do right now. It was a problem last year, and it continued to be a problem. Here's more from Steve Clifford talking about just that.
3: We got to play tougher. We got to be more physical, okay, and it can't be just like when we feel good. We're tired. They're tired. We got to rebound. We got to have a blockout attitude. It cost us a game in Cleveland. We have blocked out one blockout, and we win that game. Same thing tonight. So if we start getting tougher play with some physicality. We'll start to win.
1: I think that happened. Yeah. One, he was referencing PJ Washington, who didn't block out Evan Mobley. Yeah. But this is the problem, Wes. I've referenced the pie chart from Seth Partno a couple of times. When you look at a head coach's responsibility, 40% of it is getting guys to play hard. Maybe 20% of your coaching responsibility is getting them to play together. That's 60, right? That's more than half. And some coaches agree that a lot of it comes down to the intangibles, not even just the scheme offensively or defensively. And the fact that Steve Clifford is still preaching that at this point, where you only have four wins on the young season, but it ain't too young. We're now getting to the point where you're about like a quarter of the way through you're certainly getting there it's really tough to watch the hornets continue to dig themselves in this hole and the more you lose the harder it's going to be to try to even contend for a play-in spot a team that wanted to reach a playoff spot in the offseason
2: well this is the thing that i talked about last season on hornets live and you heard jb talking about this as well and even pre-game when i spoke to greg popovich uh before when they played the spurs he talked about how these players especially younger guys even though the hornets do have some vets this team is not interested in playing defense when the shots are not falling. And I heard that from multiple sources like I said, the ones I just quoted. And I think that's a lot of what Coach is talking about. The Hornets have not been shooting the basketball well. This is a team that has a lot of guys that can go out and get you a bucket. But it's just like when the offensive shots are not falling, the effort doesn't follow on defense or on the boards. And that's going to continue to plague this team. And I think that's what he's saying when he's saying that they need to play tougher. It's okay, my shot's not falling, but you know what? I'm going to go down and dig in on defense and get a stop. Or I'm going to go down and dig in and and, and box out and get these rebounds and get us another possession. That's what he's talking about. And the same problems that they had last year are plaguing them once again this year. And you just don't see a way out at this point. You're so far down in the tunnel. Lamelo injured, but even when he comes back, as I said, just talking about leadership and things of that nature, you just don't see light at the end of the tunnel this year. And that's why I thought during the offseason, we would see a lot more of a roster shakeup with this team to kind of change the identity of this basketball team because, to be frank, it's not going to change.
1: Tough sports weekend for any fan of a team in the state of North Carolina. Not so much South Carolina with the victory over Tennessee. Clemson also picking up a win this weekend. We'll get to all of that as the show goes on. We are live at the Spectrum Center for the Hornets Cornucopia event. And to help us talk about all of that, Coming up next, Sam Farber, Hornets play-by-play announcer, someone you can hear right here on 92.7 FM. We'll get to him in just a moment. It's the Wesson Walker Show on WFNZ. Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7, WFNZ, live at the Spectrum Center until 3 p.m. for the Hornets' Cornucopia event. Such an awesome event where they're able to feed a 1,000 People, 4,000 people by handing out 1,000 different Thanksgiving meals to families that are need uh, that are, are in need in the community. Very cool to be a part of this. The 14th annual Hornets Cornucopia event, as well as they've partnered with Food Lion and Coca-Cola to help us talk more about that and the Charlotte Hornets in general. We've welcomed Sam Farber, Hornets play-by-play announcer, to the program. Sam, how are you today?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, th- th- today's one of the special days for the Charlotte Hornets the uh, get to give back to our community it's awesome thank you guys for being there and for everything WFMG does to support this event and our community with your street turkeys event uh it's it's truly one of the great things that we all get to be a part of
1: yes sam i was going to ask what it means to you now that you have had a chance to be a part of this for a couple of times now you know how special is this to you now that you're going into second or third time for you to be able to experience it
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just so grateful to work for an organization that puts so much time and resources into this. And we don't do it alone. We do it with our great partners over at Food Lion Feed. Uh, We've got uh, the folks from Coca-Cola, Consolidated, Second Harvest Food Bank of Metrolinet They're all working together and and all for a good cause. And there's so many things throughout the year. This isn't a a one-shot deal for us, nor is it for the folks at WFNZ or any of these organizations, but this is a time where, you know, you really appreciate getting to be with your family and you want to get back and allow others in our community to, uh, you know, maybe have fallen upon a harder times to have a similar experience. So we're, we're grateful to provide that Thanksgiving meal. A thousand families, 4,000 people uh, will be directly impacted by this. And maybe the people that get the biggest impact are, are those on the team and it's the organization to get to work on it and, and give back a little bit.
1: That's the voice of Sam Farber, the Hornets' play-by-play announcer here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the Wesson Walker Show. Sam, let's talk about the Hornets on the court, losing again last night to the Washington Wizards. I look at their shots, and they're just not falling for them beyond the arc specifically right now. This is a team that historically, the last couple of years, have been very good from shooting uh, from three-point range. What can the Hornets do to climb up in the standings and start to win some of these things?
0: Well, one thing that's going to help here is rest and uh, a little bit of better luck, hopefully, when it comes to player availability. Uh, you know, we have basically gone uh, the first month of the season, almost a quarter of the season, without ever having Terry Rogier, LaMelo Ball, and Gordon Hayward on the floor at the same time. So just getting the big three out there on the floor simultaneously will have an impact. I, I think we saw that in part yesterday at Washington. And, yes, the Wizards were down to pieces on the bench. The Hornets bench outplayed their counterparts. But at the end of the day, the Wizards team is built around Kyle Kuzma, Bradley Beal, and Christoph Porzingis. And all three of those guys had really strong games. For Charlotte, the mellow ball is obviously injured. Gordon Hayward played really well in the, in the time he was out there, hoping for good news when it comes to that shoulder, that he tweaked a little bit there at the end of the game. Um but Terry had a had an off shooting night and those are gonna happen every now and again. Um uh, but I think that the the margin for air is so much lower when you don't have all your guys. So hopefully we'll get some better luck coming up here for the Hornets and maybe as important. Strong's gonna get some more rest here. This this is fifteen games in twenty six days. I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired. So uh, I'm looking forward to a, a couple of days off the court here. And hopefully, a more manageable schedule moving forward. Charlotte's played more games and more road games than anyone else in the East. That means more home cooking and more rest on the horizon.
2: Sam West Bryan here, and I wanted to know what do you make of Charlotte in late game situations in the fourth quarter and when the game comes uh, down? To the you know to the nitty gritty, for lack of a better term, man. What do you think about the offense that you see from them, and what can they do to remedy uh, Lamelo Ball not being there as far as them getting a better shot or someone just taking over late and closing out games?
0: Well, the, the get making up for Lamelo Ball is tough. I mean, you know it as a as a football player. I mean, you think back, I'm sure, to your practice days, and you're trying to game plan. Uh, to go up against, you know, an ACC all conference player, say, okay, we're going to have so and so put on the screws and he's going to pretend to be, you know, whoever it is, Michael Vick. He's going to pretend to be whatever the super. That's hard to do. That, you, you just don't. There's so few people in the world that have that skill set. And if they did, they'd probably be starting for you anyways. They're not on the scout team. So, you know, it, it's difficult to replicate what LaMelo Ball brings to the table. But that's the task at hand here for the Hornets, and I think they've done a good job being competitive. This is not a situation where the Hornets are getting blown out night after night. That would be even more frustrating if they weren't in the game. It's frustrating that they're not winning them, but they're there at the end of contest. So closing it out is important. I think having additional continuity is going to help that. That comes with health uh, and comes with stress. Um, but the guys are there and, and they're in the fight. They're close to it. And uh, a couple of games now, they have been one rebound away, one shot away, and that's where you want to be in the NBA. Within those margins. That's how you can flip things really quickly.
2: Last night, I don't believe the Hornets had a fast break point in the first half, and they only finished with six for the game. This is a team that we know that's always up there for pace and fast break points. Do you think maybe they're trying something different without LaMelo and not trying to gas guys out for late in the games and play more half-court basketball, or what are your thoughts about that?
0: Well, for the Wizards specifically, that, that's by design. Washington, they believe in their half-court offense, as they should. They've got three extraordinary players who they like to play one-on-one with, so they want to slow it down and get in the half-court. If the Hornets were not given a fast-break point, though, I, I've got to beat then with the official score, because Ty Jones' highlights is going to live in my head for the rest of my life. I think it broke Eric Collins. I could hear him from downstairs. And... Uh, I, I mean, if that's not a fast break point, I don't know what is, Kai.
1: No, it absolutely was, and it's one of the more exciting fast breaks, uh, fast break points I've ever seen in my entire life. So you had some crazy things to call, the Cavaliers game on Friday and the Kai Jones transition basket that Kai was able to have there against the Washington Wizards. It's Sam Farber, Hornets play-by-play announcer, joining us on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I wanted to talk a little bit about what we discussed last night, Sam, after the game, and that's Dennis Smith, Jr., an angry steve clifford after the contest calling his team for uh, calling his team out for lack of physicality but did have high praise for dennis smith jr saying that he was the best player on the floor I, I just think the world of this reclamation project that he's undergone early in the season with charlotte i did not expect this type of play i think he's been huge how big of a reclamation project have you seen from dennis smith jr and what's his importance to this team
0: well, he's massive to this team right now. He fills in that backup point guard role. You might recall we went into the year not knowing if there was even going to be one. If, if, right. You know, in terms of regularly playing on a regular basis, uh, and BSJ and has come in there and just done a spectacular job. I think he's someone who is a little bit like Isaiah Thomas the year before. Isaiah had just been battered by injury after injury. He was never healthy fully when he would get out there. And so he had time off the floor. Hornets picked him up out of the G League, and he took off. But so he was finally healthy again. And I think when you look at the last couple of years for Dennis Smith Jr., you see some injuries that have derailed the season. And so now he's healthy again. Uh, knock on wood, you you that way. Says, we don't need any more ankle clips in Charlotte. Um, but... I mean when he's healthy and out there, he's such a dogged defender and even at his size, the way he blocks shots, the way he can test everything. He's a pest out there. Um he can really just do it all on the defensive side of the floor. And offensively he's contributing strong efforts as well, can finish at the rim in traffic. Uh he's been exceptional for the Hornets. And I, I just I just think of what the team's gonna look like when they've got everyone healthy. I know you you rarely get everyone everyone healthy in an NBA season, um, but I think if Charlotte can have some lineups where even Terry Lamello and, and Dennis on the floor at the same time, sometimes go so small, mix it up. Uh, Charlotte's got so much talent on this team. It's just a shame we haven't had a chance to see it, but that's part of the hope for, for the future is that we're 18 games in and we haven't seen it all together yet, so hopefully we get an 18-game stretch coming up where we do
1: Yeah, I'd love to see Dennis Smith Jr. and LaMelo Ball on the court at the same time. Just have not been able to see that because of the injuries to both players. And, of course, LaMelo gets injured again. Hopefully we can see those guys share the court at the same exact time. Sam Farber, Hornets play-by-play announcer, helping us talk about the 14th annual Hornets Cornucopia event. We're live here at the Spectrum Center. Sam, thank you so much for joining us and talking about the event as well as some Hornets basketball.
0: Well, thank you guys for for being a part of it. Thank you guys for what you do with Street Turkeys as well. That's a great event as well that uh, we're thrilled to be a part of. Uh, thanks to our fantastic partners, Food Lion Teeth, Coca-Cola Consolidated, Second Harvest Food Bank, North Carolina, uh, and to all of our great players who have given a lot of their time. We just got off the road. Players, coaching staff all across the board to get back in there and get back really speaks to what kind of people they are and, I know basketball is our focus, but this is really what matters. So, thank you guys for being a part of it, and look forward to seeing you back at the Hive on Wednesday when the Hornets go the Sixers.
1: Yep, that's right. Philadelphia 76ers coming to town, so a couple of days off for the Hornets on the basketball court. But Hold not... on, we didn't
2: ask him about the dunk. Did you want to ask, did you want, before we go, real well, quick, you can. I was going to ask him, I was going <laughs> to say, listen, I know you saw that dunk last night from Kai Jones, and I didn't get to hear your call, but is it, in your opinion, the best in-game dunk that you've seen, and I would say in Hornets history, but in your time covering the Hornets, and would you say in Hornets history?
0: Oof, you know, for me, man, I mean, in terms of degree of difficulty, it's up there. But the Miles Bridges one over Clint Capella, that one was huge too. The shame of it is the two best dunks I've ever seen in, in a game as the Hornets broadcast, they both came in losses. So, you know what, as, as much fun as those plays are, I'd I'd go with a dunkless game if we could get uh, some more W's here. Of course, Dr. Pepper wouldn't love that necessarily, but I think they'd, they'd give it up for one game.
1: Oh, I mean, let's just find the happy medium. Let's get some victories and let's get some dunks at the same time, even if they're not at the level of Kai Jones. Let's just try to find a happy medium. Thanks again, Sam. We appreciate the time.
0: It's
1: my pleasure. I know what Wes thought of that, Doug. It was straight fire. Oh, yeah. yeah. No fizzle fizzle there. That scared me, actually. I did not expect (laughs) you to do that. No fizzle at all. We appreciate Sam once again for joining us um, here on the guest line as we talk a little more about the Charlotte uh, Hornets. Let's switch it up, uh, get some Carolina Panthers conversation in very quickly before we move on. It was brutal. You know, Panthers offense. Not performing well, 196 passing yards for Baker Mayfield. Only 36 yards on the ground, Wes. And that was something that was going to be a real battle coming into this game. Baltimore, not a very good passing defense. They ranked towards the bottom of the NFL, but rushing defense, they came in third. I imagine after this outing, they might even move all the way up to number one in the NFL after they hold Carolina to 36 rushing yards. The offensive line not creating as many gaps for running backs to run through. Deontay Foreman also just not nearly as not explosive but just not being able to pick up some of those tough earned yards that he had in previous games and Chuba hubbard coming in not being able to do anything as well i thought Because they weren't able to run, because you don't trust Baker Mayfield, Ben McAdoo, I think, calling plays because he doesn't trust Baker Mayfield. You could see that with a lot of the LaVisca Chenault screen game that just wasn't going anywhere either. The offense is the thing you point to and say that's why they lost this game.
2: Well, you know, you look at Baltimore's defense and with them acquiring Roquan Smith and the guys they have, Patrick Queen and the crew, they have a lot of good players on that defense. There's no surprise about that. And I think they looked at this Panthers offense with the disrespect that a lot of teams will. As far as, yes, they're going to respect them because they respect their opponent, but as far as what they can do in their explosiveness, they're going to take away what the Panthers do well. And so Baltimore came out and said, listen, we're going to stop that run game. We're going to see if Baker Mayfield can indeed play football in this league, and he showed that he cannot. And I think that was Baltimore's uh, number one key to success yesterday was, you know, the Panthers give them credit for continuing to run it and their defense coming out playing well, which helped them to be able to try to stick with the run game for a little a while, but 2.1 yards of carry, they said, we're going to see if you can throw this ball and beat us. And yeah. I think that's what a lot of teams are going to do against them going forward.
1: No, and they can't. And Carolina certainly cannot do that. P.J. Walker is not a Pro Bowl quarterback, not even a top 15 guy in the league. He, that's not something that he's shown in a lot of the starts that he's had in the NFL. He's given you some good starts. Yeah. And I think good is just fine to use for what P.J. has done. It was fantastic against Tampa Bay, but that's not going to be something he gives you consistently. It is something that is visible with him sometimes, though. We have not seen that at all from Baker in any of these starts. I think P.J. Walker and or Sam Darnold should be the starting quarterback next week as they are set to take on, I'm trying to look at the schedule here, but Carolina going in to this next game when they face, um, God, yeah, the internet, so it's, it's messing me up, but yeah, when they face uh, Denver, thank you, Denver, yeah, thank you, Denver is the next team, it's got to be one of those two guys, and Baker understands that he might be a quarterback that is benched in favor of P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold. Here's Baker sharing his thoughts with the media after it was brought to his attention and just ask about his feelings about possibly being benched. It sucks, to be honest with you. We prepared, but like, like I said, game plan... I felt like everything was ready and there for us. We just we didn't execute. It's tough. I'll be honest with you. Like I, I put my heart and soul in this, and this this sucks. I just hope everybody else feels the same way, to be honest with you. That's that's how you get things turned around. You, you have to care about it. You do. Last thing before we get to the Fitty Flash. It obviously means a lot to these players. I go to Baker, who I think it's genuine, the way he feels about football, the way he feels about his own craft trying to start games at the quarterback spot I go to Taylor Heineke, who was crying when he was asked on the field Ron Rivera named you the starter even if Carson Wentz is going to be coming back crying because of very similar verbiage puts his heart and soul into all of this and this is what he cares about most I think we saw that from Cleveland, right, with Baker playing there as well, and those were some of the reasons as to why he was so frustrated when they decided to go to Deshaun Watson. At the end of the day, Baker just wasn't able to capitalize on an opportunity that was given to him with a good offensive line. For the most part this year, they've been good. The offensive line has not been the problem for the entirety of this season. You have enough weapons to get something done. Not a great cast, but enough. And it just hasn't happened for Baker. That's why I think we've seen the last start for him.
2: Yeah, man. And I think also, you know, his confidence, as I said, no matter what he may try to come out and say at the end of the day, as we talked about last week, uh, him not being wanted on the trade market, uh, the team that drafted him number one overall giving up on him, those are things that are going to damage any athlete's confidence. And I think that he may have had a shred left to where he felt that he could come here and put in work and, and play well. And I think when things went south for him early on in the season, I I think that was it for him, and I think confidence-wise, it's it's a wrap. All right, we have Fred Whitfield about to join us
1: in just a moment. Let's take a quick break. We have a short one. We'll come back, and then we'll welcome team president Fred Whitfield to the program. It's on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
2: All right.
1: It's The Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Live at the Spectrum Center for the 14th annual Cornucopia event here with the Charlotte Hornets. A partnership that we have been benefiting and has been uh, has been a beneficial thing for us at WFNZ and vice versa for quite some time. To help us talk more about it, Fred Whitfield, Charlotte Hornets team president, joins us on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Fred, thank you so much for the time. How are you?
3: It's great to be here. I'm doing great. Yeah, we
1: appreciate it. You know, when you look at the Cornucopia event, obviously there's so many beneficial things about it. What's something you and the Hornets focus on during this event to help uh, benefit the community?
3: You know, we love being able to interact with, uh, with our neighbors, with our friends out in the community, and our fans, and so it's, it's going to be great this year to be back in our, in our former format uh, where we'll be able to interact and uh, share some smiles and talk about Thanksgiving and how much we all have to be thankful for. That's one of the main things that we really enjoy. It's one of our favorite days of the year.
1: Yeah, and look, you mentioned it. The Hornets have opened up the Spectrum Center as a polling place. Michael Jordan donated $100 million to benefit African-American charities, post-George Floyd, opening Novant Health Clinics as well. There's been such a big emphasis on philanthropy. You know, was there ever something where you all got together and realized we need to do more? Just what was something? Why do you put so much emphasis on philanthropy, even more than some of the other NBA franchises?
3: You know, it started the day, Michael my- bought our team. You know, one of the things we realized was that we weren't heavily engaged in the community, we weren't really earning our way in the community, and Michael made it very clear at the original press conference that we would dive deep into the community. So, dating back to 2010 when he took our franchise over, uh, we've had a strong, strong community relations department a strong foundation. Uh, We do things throughout the year and this is just one of our big events, but uh, I have to applaud Betsy Mack and her team for really leading all of our community efforts and it's something we're going to continue to do. You know, Fred, you bring up,
1: you know, I brought up Michael Jordan as well. I think it's been interesting, right, because wrong or right, there was this idea that Michael wasn't philanthropic early on in his playing days and that is absolutely far from the truth and it has been for quite some time I talked to you man it was like six years ago and we talked about Michael Jordan tearing up at the opening of a Novant Health Clinic. And you said yep. you'd only seen it about three times at that point in your life. Yep. The death, death of his father, yep. first championship, yep. Hall of Fame speech. We've yep. since seen, seen him publicly cry a few more times. Whether it be the Novant Health Clinic, Kobe Bryant's memorial service as well and last dance when that aired we've seen it a few more how have you seen the growth from michael jordan just overall as a man behind the scenes and at least publicly being out in the community a lot more helping as much as he possibly can
3: well i I think we all as we uh, grow old and mature you know we're open to, to letting people see a different side of us and that's not different from michael he's such a private person um but obviously owning our team we're a very public team and uh... And and he's a part of it. He leads us. And so it's been great to see that other side of him really come out. I know when he was honored by the Charlotte Business Journal, as Business Person of the Year, that was another event where, you know, he teared up a little. And you could tell that he felt deeply uh, honored that, that he'd been selected. And so it's, it's been great to watch that, but, you know, as we look at our organization and we look at our players, our coaches, our executives, all of us trying to do what we can out in the community, again, it all started the day he bought our team but we love it, we embrace it, and it's a part of, of our culture. Uh, Fred, so when you talk about the players,
2: how excited do they get about events like this? How much do they come up to you and tell you which ones they want to be a part of? Do they have favorites? Do you have a favorite way that you get back, whether it be food drives or fundraisers or different things like that?
3: You know, it's interesting. This is one of our players' favorite event today uh, because they get to see a literally a 1,000 people from the community come through. We'll, we'll serve a uh, 1,000 families, about 4,000 meals we'll give away today. So to be able to smile and interact and you know, a few of the fans want autographs and our players light up. And, and so this is an important time of the year. And then also around Christmas, you know, when our players have their own initiatives, whether it's where giving gifts out uh, adopting families that's one of the things that I enjoy doing on the community as well and that's that's a part of us just integrating ourselves into the community and our players are genuinely all good guys and love doing this stuff and so it's great to have them be great partners with us For another thing that interests me
2: too is when I come out here you know I'm a food guy we talk about food a lot on this show is the <laughs> items that go into these bags and so I wonder how do they select the meals do you guys have any input or what goes into the selection of what will be Served.
3: Well, you know, we work closely with Food Lion Feeds and also with Coca-Cola Consolidated and Second Harvest Food Bank of the Metro, of uh, Metrolina. And these bags have everything in that we want to eat for uh, for Thanksgiving. So, you think about the turkey, the stuffing, the vegetables, you know, this year to be Dr. Pepper and Diet Dr. Pepper uh, in the bags of macaroni and cheese, cranberry, all the same things that we'll be eating on Thanksgiving. We know everybody else in the community wants to eat those things. So, uh, you know, fortunately Food Lion has worked with us, this is our 12th uh, cornucopia uh, and every year we look forward to the day that we're able to do this because we know that on Thanksgiving Day 4,000 of our of our neighbors in the community get a great meal and have time to celebrate with their families.
1: All right, what is the food staple at Thanksgiving that the Whitfield household <laughs> has to have and then you pounded the table for it at the cornucopia <laughs> event said every single bag needs this. What mac, is that
3: blank? Mac and cheese. Okay. And, and I am on the mac and cheese station today. <laughs> so so I, it'll just get me prepared for Thursday. Hey, Don't eat any, Fred. Now <laughs> no. this is
1: not, <laughs> You need to leave something... Everybody else, don't eat all the bag and cheese. It's Fred Whitfield, Charlotte Horton's team president, joining us here at the Spectrum Center. I'm amazed at how much everything has to come together. I imagine it takes quite a long time to plan this. How much time does it take to plan and get everything ready?
3: You know, because we've done it so many years, you know, during, during the pandemic, we still had this event, but we did it, did it differently. We put bags in people's trunks. Uh, but we've gotten to to a point now where it's almost clockwork because we've had the same partners with us along the way. And so you can see the volunteers here from Coca-Cola consolidated from Food Line Feeds. You see our our uh, volunteers from the Hornets organization. And you'll see our executives and our players jump in line shortly. But there's a lot of preparation, but it's a great partnership.
1: Well, and it feels like, I, I mean, people coming in, right? It starts at 1.30, so we're about a half hour away. It feels like... People would like coming into the Spectrum Center, seeing the players, not only being able to interact with them, which was the case even when you were handing some of these meals into the trunks, but being able to come to the basketball arena. I imagine that's something that is an extra benefit for people. And it just provides a different feel with everybody being able to interact with one another at a place that usually we're watching players play basketball.
3: Yeah, and you know, the Spectrum Center is a community asset. And it's uh, something that we're proud to run and manage that the city owns. And a lot of uh, our fans and our neighbors in the community, you know, have not gotten a chance to come into the arena. A lot of them have not been to a game. And so for them to be able to come into the main lobby and and see this beautiful building that we're getting an opportunity to play our games in is something I know they look forward to and we enjoy welcoming them to.
1: One thing I did want to ask you while we had you, I don't think we've had a chance to talk, You know, at least me, since you guys opened up Spectrum Center as a polling place. I just thought that was such a huge thing that you guys did, having the ability to let people that aren't heard nearly as much be heard by using the Spectrum Center as a polling place during election times. Why was that so important for you and the team? I believe it was you and maybe the atlanta hawks were the only teams to do that or maybe the first teams in the nba to do that we were two of the first yeah that's uh, right
3: but it but it's now become almost a league-wide initiative yeah. and and one that everybody in our league really embraces you know the fact that everyone should get out and cash their vote uh you probably noticed this year there were no games on uh, on voting day, right. and that was intentional every team played the night before uh, but the goal is to have everybody come out, regardless of what their party affiliation is, to come out and have their voice heard. That's the only way all of this uh, actually works in our country. And so we're proud that we were one of the first to open our building up, especially during the pandemic, to allow people to, to safely come into an environment and, and cast their vote and, and really be heard, have their voice heard.
1: It's another Hornets Cornucopia event. It starts at 1.30. We're going to be out here until 3 p.m. WFNZ been coming out for a while and the Hornets Hornets have partnered with Food Lion, Coca-Cola, once again, providing a 1,000 Thanksgiving meals. It feeds about 4,000 people. That's how many people are going to be affected by this. It means a lot to be able to help the community, and we appreciate the time you shared with us here, Fred. Thanks once again.
3: Thanks so All much. It's right, always great to see you guys. Absolutely. Thanks Thanks same here. here. All Fred All right. Whitfield, Charlotte
1: Hornets team president, joining us on Sports Radio 92. seven WFNZ. It does mean a lot. Is that something that you would have, number one, as the Thanksgiving staple for you? Is it mac and cheese? Do you share that belief? with Fred, or do you go something different?
2: I do not. Uh, I (laughs) am a... It's the turkey's first and foremost, and then the dressing. I, I appreciate you saying that. But I appreciate
1: you saying that. Yeah. There's so many people that try to have some hot turkey takes for Thanksgiving. <laughs> it belongs, man. Yeah. It man. belongs. I you love a turkey th- or ham guy. I mean, ham is fine. But the fact yeah, that people want to throw guy. turkey out and act oh, like oh, it's man. this dry bird that doesn't deserve not—it's nah, because of the way you're cooking it. Right. So cook it a lot better. Whether Roast you want them fr- bags. Yeah. D- d- exactly. Have yes. that thing cooking for a long time. Yes. That's totally fine. Yes. Or you can fry it whatever just make sure it's available i mean i just don't want people out here bagging
2: on turkey because of the way that they think it's a dry bird no it's the way you're cooking yeah listen if i pull up and there's no turkey on the menu (laughs) it's not a thanksgiving meal for one it's just another day it is unless it's ham i can give you an excuse if you want to go just but you have christmas for that that's what i'm saying but it's one of the two it's not a meal but for me it's all about the turkey first and foremost and then we work from there
1: all right you can text in 7045709610 what is the staple at the blank household wherever you're eating at thanksgiving 704570 oh, Ninety-six 10. we'll take a quick break we'll come back it's the one o'clock hour coming up on the west and walker show the panthers they move to the second pick in the nfl draft with the raiders win and the loss to baltimore for carolina are they now guaranteed to finish with the top five pick that's coming up next west and walker sports radio 927 fm